0: Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone is a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 the game mobile app and online at 1037 thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like that gun about it. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holberg. And a big good
1: afternoon and welcome on this Wednesday, March 23rd, the year 2022. Hope you're having a great day. It's a Chamber of Commerce Day. Um, finally, the bad has gotten out of the way. Our prayers and thoughts to those in Araby, outside of New Orleans, with that tornado situation. Let me tell you what we have on the docket for you today. LSU is about to start an introductory press conference of Matt McMahon, the new lsu men's basketball coach we will take you there live and listen to um his comments and some questions and then when uh when that's over and done we will start our show so we're just waiting for the heads up from lsu uh on that um scion williamson's out dunking what's the reason uh For that? Well, we'll explain that. Justin Napoli will join us, uh, one of our NBA analysts. Chris Roseviglue will join us again today. Another blockbuster trade. The Kansas City Chiefs have shipped Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins for um, five draft picks. Miami has agreed to a four-year $120 million extension with the six-time Pro Bowl wide receiver. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Teron Armstead going to Miami. Uh, So what are the Saints going to do? They've got money. They've got uh, draft picks. Are they done in free agency? We'll figure that out with Chris Rose for glue, and then Michael Hugh Huguenin will join us for another edition of Hump Day with Huguenin. We'll talk all things college sports, including the Sweet Sixteen. So that's what's on the docket today. But Matt McMahon is the new head basketball coach at LSU. He's agreed to a seven-year, uh, twenty-three million dollar contract that will pay him two point six million this year. I met him at the LSU women's uh, uh, NCAA playoff game. Uh, very humble, very nice man. Um, And we will see what he has to say, what his philosophy is. So we hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy as LSU introduces the new head basketball coach, Coach Matt McMahon, who leaves from Murray State where he had a 70% winning percentage. And now he comes to LSU with unknown sanctions awaiting, but he took the job because he wants to be here. It's a Power 5 school. So we head out to LSU and the presser as we introduce to you matt mcmahon the new head basketball coach of the
0: tigers jordy holtberg is known far and wide as the blonde bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at lsu Just let your soul go. Just let it shine through. the hair may not be as golden or as long but jordy is still making a name for himself Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, we are back. Hope you enjoyed the uh, introductory press conference of the 25th head basketball coach in LSU basketball history, Matt McMahon. Uh, Very impressive. Uh, We will see what kind of staff he assembles. We'll see what kind of team he assembles. But I think um, his his motto of joy, is a good thing, It's a very good thing. If you're happy, you're playing hard, you're doing all the right things. So very impressive, and of course uh, we will uh, we'll get Coach Mac on this show after he gets settled in. So that was LSU basketball. We have LSU baseball tonight. The raging cages play baseball, but I've got to start today with um, a little video that went viral, uh, taken inside the New Orleans Pelicans practice facility in Metairie. I don't know why he did it. I don't know what the reasoning was, but Zion Williamson is dunking again. So, and let me get our good uh, our expert from Propel's talk and Boot Crew Media, Justin Napoli, on board to to kind of explain everything. Justin, thanks for the time, man. How are you?
2: Good, Jordy. Uh, very exciting time. A lot of a uh, lot of things to talk about. Hope you're doing well. Excited for the um, new hire for LSU basketball as well. So that's a lot of exciting yeah, stuff you- going on.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to be a good one. So I was under the impression that Zion was not able to do much, that he wasn't doing much, and that he wasn't going to play at all this season and get ready for next season. Now you've got this video clip that shows him uh, leaving the board, uh, throwing the ball off the backboard, catching it, going between his legs, and dunking. Why? What's the message here?
2: Uh. It's funny you said, Jordy. Yeah. We, uh, we, I was doing a podcast with uh, Jake Madison last night, and uh, we were talking about it, and it's a clear message uh, from my perspective is that you know, Zion's had a lot of negativity around him the last eight to ten months, and he's not used to that. You know, I think his camp uh, was genius for doing this, basically changing the narrative. right? So now the video basically shows Zion doing this ridiculous dunk, and right. I think that they're sending a message saying that, hey, he's ready to go. But at the same time, I think everyone's asking the wrong question. I think the question should be, is he conditioned enough to play? Um, I think that, yes, anybody... Zion can do a lot of a lot of things a lot of people can't do. Um, and the athleticism is out of control, and it looks like his foot's great. But at the end of the day, you can dunk and not be in shape. So right. I think this is a message saying that, hey we're ready to take this seriously. Hey, you know, let, let's, let's start ramping this up and see if we can start helping out the ball club. Because now today, you know, the video goes viral, Jordy. And then now today, all of a sudden he's cleared for one-on-one. So there's a video of him going one-on-one with Corey Brewer. Uh, and okay. I'm not going to lie to you, the video looks insane. I mean, he's got the quickness, he's got the explosiveness, but I, I don't, I'm not trying to get too far ahead of everybody. <laughs> um, Cause he's still got condition. It, it, it's, it's one thing to do a dunk. It's another thing to play five-on-five five with the best guys in the entire world. So, you know, the, the, the video is awesome to see. It's great to see the Zion um, progressing. But I think everybody needs to pump the brakes a little bit. I don't think he's ready to return just yet. Okay,
1: the first thing that popped into my mind, and maybe this is a a, a negative, but I've seen this before. Um, There was that time and he was hurt. He came back. They put him on a minutes restriction, and that seemed to be the big conflict between the front office and Zion's people and Zion. The first thing I thought of was, well, he's not going to play this year, but he's showing this donkey. I I know about the being in condition, but it seemed to me, you could read between the lines again. Am I crazy that, okay, the front office saying one thing, Zion's trying to put out something else. It seems like it's trying to cause this, this murky waters again.
2: And and Jordy, that's why it's smart on his, I'm not saying it's smart in general to do it smart from his perspective because of all the negativity. Now you go on Twitter You go on Instagram, I'm getting questions. Why isn't he playing? Why isn't he playing? He looks healthy. And now they're trying to change the narrative, right, of like, oh, well, maybe this is the front office and Aaron Nelson and David Griffin holding him back and things like that. People need to all, like, just slow down and realize, one, it's a good video. It's good to see Zion healthy. Two, he still has to be conditioned to play. So you know it better than anybody, Jordy, basketball-based being in shape and then there's being in shape and then there's being yeah. in basketball shape right. um, it's, it's, it's right. two differences so um, the video is great it's good to see him progressing um, we'll see you know he's doing one-on-one stuff today with Corey Brewer I'm sure he'll get into three on three five on five but you know another thing I wanted to bring up that people are really forgetting is one he's never played a second under Willie Green he doesn't probably know much of the offensive scheme God knows if he knows the playbook He's never played with Herb Jones. He's never played with CJ McCollum. He's never played with Jonas Valanciunas. So, I mean, the list goes on and on. Like, there's also that chemistry issue as well. So, you know, there's 10 games left in the year. If this was game 35. It'd be a right. different, uh, you know, different right. narrative, but this is, there's 10 games left. So it's a crazy story. It's a crazy, you know, because Shan said that he's out for the year. He clearly doesn't look like he's out for the year.
1: But it sure looks good, doesn't it? And you start imagining man what what would it be like with Valentinuns and Zion and Brandon Ingram and c J. McCullum and herb Joe man, and you come off the bench with Alvarado and some of these other guys. It's just fun to think about,
2: oh yeah, I mean, and listen, like this should show you for next year that this team can be serious if they're fully healthy, but um. You know, a lot, everyone wants to make the play-in. I think that this stretch coming up against, you know, the Bulls, the Spurs, and the Lakers, especially the Lakers on Sunday, it's a huge stretch. There's a lot of momentum going on. It looks like B.I. is going to be back either Thursday Saturday. Larry Nance came out and said today that he's supposed to be back tomorrow, uh, which will be a huge help coming off the bench. Um, so, you know, a lot of good things going on. But this video, you know, being a Pelicans fan, it's a roller coaster. <laughs> Uh, But this video has turned everybody upside down um, and has everyone really, really excited. So I see the video as being a positive, but I see why Zion's camp did it.
1: Yeah. It's fun. Uh, looks pretty good. Looks pretty good. And we're talking with uh, Justin Napoli boot crew media and propels talk, um, flip-flopping back and forth with the Lakers. We got a little lead over the Spurs. We're firmly entrenched as of right here, right now. Um, what do you think of the Pels chances with 10 to go?
2: Yeah. Um, really good chances in, in my opinion. So they get the Lakers, uh, twice this week, this Sunday, then next Friday, uh, one, I want to realize that you know the Lakers game on Sunday is huge because if yes. they win that, they automatically win the tiebreaker as well. Yes. Uh, so if the, if the Lakers and Pelicans would fin- were to finish with the same record, the Pelicans would then jump the Lakers with the tie record or the tiebreaker. So big game on Sunday. I like the Pelicans schedule coming up. I think it's pretty favorable. Um, a, g- a huge home stretch here. If they get Brandon Ingram and Larry Nance back, I don't see why they can't sweep the home stretch. I know that's going to be a back to back on Saturday and Sunday, which will be tough. But LeBron has been ruled out for tonight with knee soreness
0: Ooh. Um,
2: against Philly. But Ooh. it's kind of bad news for the Pelicans that he's going to have a full week off and then play Sunday against the Pelicans. Because the Lakers haven't played. Uh, I think that the last game was the same night as the Pelicans. And then he's going to have all these days off until Sunday um, when the Lakers visit the Pelicans.
1: I'm not so worried about the Lakers. I'm kind of worried about the Spurs. you got to get them. What are they two up? Uh, they, uh, they're they two games behind us, but they've beaten us twice already. It's something about the Spurs that the Pelicans can't master for some reason.
2: Yeah. Um, the Spurs are always a tough matchup. I mean, when you talk about the Spurs, you think of Greg Popovich, and he always has teams prepared. Uh, so that's never a walk in the park with them. But I really think they sent a message uh, last week when they when they came in and kind of embarrassed the Spurs and you know, when you get embarrassed, uh, you know, you know Popovich. He got embarrassed. He got ejected or that thing in the first quarter, and he had the wink and everything like that, which was really funny. Uh, I think though, that that's going to be a tough game Saturday, but I like our chances. You know, you get Brand Ingram back and Larry Nance. Um, you know, they're going to be just fine. Uh, I'm not too yeah. worried about the Spurs. I'm more worried about the Lakers, and only because of LeBron James. When you have the best player in the world uh, on on a team that you're competing against, that's that's always something to be worried about. But um yeah, you know, big stretch coming up. I think that the big, the must win game is Sunday against the Lakers.
1: Sunday against the Lakers. LeBron has been George,
2: unbelievable. Because you know, I know you like me asking questions. I know you're on time. Like, what do you think of the Zion video? Like, what, what's your first reaction? First reaction
1: was, looks like he was ready to play, and I wonder if he was sending a message to get the narrative off of his shoulders and back on David Griffin's shoulders. That's the first thing that popped up in my head.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think that's what it is. And it, and it seems like he's being pretty successful about it because, yeah. uh, everybody's talking about it. <laughs>
1: yeah, That's right. Um, uh, <laughs> there's no, there's no doubting his, his talent and his skill set, and, uh, and what this team could look like. What, what does the starting lineup become once Brandon Ingram returns? Um, how does uh, Willie navigate through
0: that? Yeah.
2: Uh, I think that's a fair question. Um, it's going to be interesting because it's it's crazy to say, but Jose Alvarado's also been outplaying Devontae Graham.
0: No um,
2: doubt. So personally, I I I personally go with the CJ Herb, Bi uh, Jackson, Jonas Valanciunas lineup
3: Me with Me um,
2: Alvarado and Graham coming off the bench, and then Larry Nance coming off the bench as well. Uh, with another guy that's been playing really well is Najee Marshall. Uh, he has not really you know he doesn't do the flashy things, but he's doing he's, he's doing a nice job in his role. He's hitting down open threes. He's playing hard uh, on defense. So i go with that starting five because that starting five is posting a really positive rating. Um, the interesting question is if, if he comes back, I'm not saying Zion's coming back, what do you do if Zion is somehow cleared to play? Uh, <laughs> I still don't think he's ready to start, but I do think he can come off the bench and give you 15 minutes. I really do. I, I honestly, yeah. like, like, I could see Zion playing 15, 20 minutes a night and being pretty damn productive.
1: <laughs> Getting you 15 points and 10 rebounds in 15 yeah. minutes. I could, I could definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely uh, see that one. So uh, for those, real quick, that haven't seen Larry Nance Jr. play for a while, um, I think that's a steal of a pickup. I really like his game. What do you see in him?
2: Yeah, he's, a, he's he's kind of a, a bigger version of Josh Hart, right? He, he doesn't shoot yes, three as, yes. as well as Josh, but he's the hustle guy. He's that the hype guy. He's the guy that you know cleans the board, does the dirty work. He's always on the floor. He's talking. He's rebounding. He'll score. He's tough. So, you know, he is a bigger version of Josh Hart. And and when people see him play, you're gonna be like, oh, I, I see why um, he's been in the league for so long. If he can just stay healthy, that, that that's just his biggest uh, concern. But he's gonna be huge for this this bench moving forward because uh, now you can have a guy behind Jackson Hayes, behind maybe even Brandon Ingram to give him a break, and where you don't have that steep fall off uh, that you've seen um, as of late. So where it's going to be a really nice asset moving forward.
1: All right. We shall see. Um, we're, we're running out of time, big guy. Sorry that press conference went and uh, kind of changed, altered things up. But we'll get back with you real soon. I greatly appreciate the time. You're tremendous to talk hoops with, man. I love it. Thank you so much. I
2: appreciate you, Jordy. Thank you. Take care.
1: All right. Justin Napoli, boot crew, media and propels talk. Zion looking good, throwing it off the board, getting up there, going in between his legs with it and throwing it down. Oh, just the thought. Just the thought of that one game, winner take all. Lakers, Pells, and Zion's in there giving you 15, 18, 20 minutes. Oh, I would love it. I will right, we'll take a quick time out each and every Wednesday brought to you by Cajun Chef, famous for its Louisiana hot sauce, Cajun pickles, and Cajun spicy beans. Oh, go look for your, in your favorite grocery store, your favorite restaurant. Everything tastes better with a little Cajun Chef hot sauce on it. Back to wrap up an abbreviated hour number one, set the stage for hour number two, the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
0: He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So, what's the secret to the blonde bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Do you want to see some of the most elite dunkers and exceptional ball handlers on the planet? Well, the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters are returning to the Cajun Dome on Tuesday, April 5th, and you can see them live. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving away a four-pack of tickets for the family-friendly show. They don't throw water on people anymore, do they? They throw confetti and popcorn. Back when I was a kid, they would throw water, douse you. And anyway, how do you win? Well, simply text TROTTER, T. T-R-O-T-T-E-R to six eight six eight three to win tickets to see the Globe Trotters. Once again, text Trotter. T-R-O-T-T-E-R to six eight six eight three to win a family four-pack of tickets to see the To see the Harlem Globetrotters live at the Cajun Dome, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Meadowlark Lemon, Curly Neal. Oh, back in the day, that was something. That was something. Um, All right. So we had the Matt McMahon press conference. He talked about elite Talent, elite players, developing them. Uh, John ja Moran is certainly one of he can ha- hang his hat on. What an elite talent! Kind of uh under the radar. Went to Murray State, and the rest is history. Now leading the Memphis Grizzlies. Spring football practice for LSU begins tomorrow. We'll have lots of talk on that tomorrow. The Saints. What are they going to do? They've uh, they've lost some players. No question. We'll talk with Chris glue in hour number two and Michael Huguenin as well. It's all coming your way. Hour number two, the Jordy Hilpert Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, brought to you by Cajun Chef. Everything tastes better with Cajun Chef hot sauce on it. Hour number two, straight ahead. Stick around.
0: Live and local. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone, it's a Saints touchdown! Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a Saints touchdown! This is the Jordy Holberg Show. Hey baby, we're going to be here all day! Call us up at 337-706-0111 got Now here's your host, Jordy
1: Holberg. Hour number two of two and away we go. Of course, each and every Wednesday, we're brought to you by Cajun Chef. Deep in the heart of the South Louisiana Bayou Country, Cajun Chef seasonings are still made from time-honored traditional family recipes using only the finest spices and peppers. The Beard family, for nearly nine decades, have been producing Cajun Chef's cayenne hot sauce and uh, their green hot sauce. They're... Uh, Uh, Their peppers are great, and it's so delicious. I bring a small bottle with me wherever I go because everything tastes better with the flavor of Louisiana Cajun Chef hot sauce. All right, we begin our number two with the New Orleans Saints. Um, We just saw another blockbuster trade. Tyreek Hill from the Kansas City Chiefs going to the Miami Dolphins. Do the Dolphins become instant playoff contenders because they've got Teron Teron Armstead—they just signed, sealed, and delivered to to help protect Tua a little bit. Well, Chris Rosevoglu has got all the latest on the Saints. He's a writer for the Spun, SI now, Saints podcaster for Boot Crew Media. Chris, top of the afternoon, my friend. How are you?
3: I'm I'm doing well, Jordy. Thank you for having me. And uh, it's pretty funny. I feel like every other day now, some blockbuster <laughs> trade going
1: down.
2: I'm not in track of all this.
1: The blockbuster trade, but it's none going to the Saints. They're all leaving the Saints, whether it be a quarterback that decides to go to Cleveland or an offensive lineman that's waiting to see who the quarterback's going to be in New Orleans and decides to go to Miami. So, what are we to make of all
0: this?
3: Yeah, I mean, for for the Saints' perspective, I think the Teron Armstead thing, when when it comes out that he's waiting to see where Deshaun Watson's going, that, that for me, it felt like the minute the Saints missed out on Watson, they're probably going to miss out on Armstead. And I think the interesting thing about Teron Armstead is his deal was, it wasn't something the Saints couldn't afford. I mean, five years, right. 75 with the back's value going to 87.5, I think that, that's a, a contract that they could have matched if they really wanted to. They made the decision not to, which make, makes me believe that either a, they like someone in the draft to be a replacement, or B, they feel like they have guys in the building like a Young yeah. or a Blue James Hurst. But to your point, yeah, the Saints have, have missed out on, on a lot of these yeah. bigger names. And I didn't expect them to be in the market for a guy like, let's say, Tyreek Hill, But it is fascinating to see the player movement, and almost all of them are going to the AFC.
1: Yeah, boy, there's quarterback to galore in the AFC. It's ridiculous. Uh, Chris, um, the Saints introduced safety Marcus May and defensive lineman Contavious Street uh, on Monday. Two players that are expected to add to a defense that's become one of the best under Dennis Allen. It seems like the Saints have a defensive reputation but maybe not so sure now that Sean Payton is gone of, of what this offensive reputation is going to be. Is that, is that a reason why maybe some free agents are turning their head and going elsewhere?
3: You know, I think when it comes to the free agent aspect, I think right now with the way the market is, I don't know. Really, I really don't know which game changer the saints might value to make a, a huge one after. You know, maybe they do like Odell Beckham, but when is he going to be ready to play? What are they willing to offer? That that's a question I would have there. Uh, I think for Deshaun Watson, when you see when he goes to Cleveland, I don't think any of it has to do with him not wanting to be coached by Dennis Allen. I just think it comes down to the, the guaranteed money that he ended up getting from that yeah. deal. And had the Saints been willing to match that guaranteed money, who knows? Maybe he's playing in New Orleans next season. So uh, I wouldn't worry too much yet as to whether or not we're seeing uh, players not go to New Orleans because they now have a defensive coach. Uh, but mm-hmm. I will say. The areas of, of weakness and the need that this team has had offensively, they're still there today, just like they were a couple of months ago. And I, I think that is the concerning thing so far. And It's going to be up to the Saints in, I would say, over the next couple of weeks of the third and fourth waves of free agency to maybe get a, a decent role player or two. Can they get a guy like a this game? Like he's interested in Kansas City, but can they make a push maybe for him? Do they have interest in, in LSU guys like Odell or Jarvis Landry? Can they even do a, a signing of that sort? And then we'll see their offensive philosophy in the draft under Carmichael and Dennis Allen. So I'm not ready to press the panic button yet, but I don't think that the, the reason free agents are not going to the same has to do with the coaching staff. I just think maybe they're not fully engaged in making those runs at guys right now because maybe they don't value them as much uh, as other teams would.
1: Um, Chris Roseverglue, kind enough to join us. Uh, there's some um, – Free agents out there um, that uh, unrestricted for uh, for the Saints. Quan Alexander being one, PJ Williams being another. Um, are the Saints you think efforting to work a deal out to keep both of them?
3: You know, I, I haven't heard much about Quan Alexander yet. I, I could see him coming back. I wouldn't rule it out, but there really hasn't been much on his camp. Uh, I know yeah. the Saints have I've spoken to PJ Williams, and it's something where. I think if P.J. Williams goes around and all the offers kind of look the same, I think he would go back to the Saints because, A, he knows the system, and, B, Dennis Allen just utilizes him so well that it would kind of make no sense to go to a different team for the same amount of money when you don't know how they're going to utilize your skill set. So I wouldn't be surprised if P.J. Williams comes back. I think that one makes a ton of sense because you did lose Marcus Williams, and although you brought in Marcus May, it'd be nice to have another veteran DB who really knows how Dennis Allen likes to to run that defense. As for Quan Alexander... Uh, look, if the market's not strong, maybe it comes back. They love his energy. They could use another leader in the locker room now that they lost Armstead. But I do think on the field, the Saints are ready for Pete Warner to take that next step, and I think Pete Warner okay. is ready to take that next step. So, you know, on the field, I don't know if losing Quan Alexander would hurt that much. It comes down to how much do the Saints value his leadership.
1: If the Saints do nothing more in free agency and they rely solely on the draft what is their top priority with pick number 18 in the first round
3: you know i, I would love to say that the top priority has to still be receiver because if we look at this depth chart it hasn't gotten any better uh, and frankly if if it you know let's say free agency stays the same it will technically by default get a little bit worse could you take Traquan smith out of the out of the picture and, and yes michael thomas does come back but what version of michael thomas are you getting that still yet yeah. to be seen so I think wide receiver would still be up at the top of my list. You know, 1B would probably be offensive tackle if the Saints don't trust us to Landon Young. If they trust those two guys to to be serviceable tackles next season, then, okay, the concern doesn't become as big. But if if they do feel like, hey, neither one of those guys is cut out to be our left tackle for next season, do you look at uh, Trevor Penning, Uh, from a Northern Iowa, that's a guy that's been on the Saints' radar. Maybe he slots in at number 18, and and that might be their priority. But right now I'd go receiver as 1A, and then i go offensive tackle as 1B.
1: We've seen the injuries of of, uh, Jameis Winston before. Are the Saints comfortable with Ian Book uh, and, and Taysom Hill as quarterbacks in case he gets injured yet again?
3: You know that's interesting because we had, I believe it was Larry Holder who came out and reported that the the Taysom Hill experiment at quarterback is most likely over. And if that's true, then that leads me to believe he won't be the backup quarterback. And if that's the case, okay, great, you can use him in that do it all role. But what happens if James does go down, like you just said? It, it, you know, I, I think it opens up a lot of questions about is Ian Book ready to take that next step? Because I know it's unfair; it was a one game sample size, but. Ian Book obviously wasn't ready for the moment, so is he going to be able to take that leap where he can be a serviceable backup if his number's called, perhaps? If not, I'm not saying this would happen, but I wouldn't rule out if the Saints like a quarterback in this draft, and if they do, then maybe that guy ends up getting slotted into the number two role on the depth chart, so that could be a possibility. I wouldn't be surprised if Taysom Hill goes back in that do-it-all role, but you know, if push comes to shove and he had to be the backup, I've seen Taysom Hill enough to say in a couple of games, that Saints can find ways to win. You just don't want to be the start of the whole year.
1: Let me throw something out there. And you tell me if I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs on this regarding Taysom Hill. Saints need a tight end. Man, he's athletic. Man, he's big. He's strong. Man, he can catch the ball coming out of the backfield. He can run with it. Would the Saints possibly tinker with him being, you know, because the tight end now is such a valuable weapon, and it causes such a mismatch. And with his speed, you put a linebacker on him, he's gone. Um, I, I I think it'd be worth the
3: experiment. Am I cuckoo? I don't think you are. I think if the Saints don't make a move at tight end, I think they're almost showing their hand in the sense that Taysom Hill might be in that tight end role a little bit more than he usually is. And I think a lot of people forget, you know, two seasons ago when they were using him as that versatile weapon and Drew Brees was still on her center, he looked really good catching the football. And you talked about that speed. You can't really put a linebacker on him because he's too fast. You put a DB on him, okay, maybe they match up well, but we have to remember Taysom Hill is a strong guy, so he might be able to push through some smaller cornerbacks. Uh, I think he would be a mismatch nightmare, and when you look at his contract, his contract's almost set up kind of the way top-tier tight ends are in that four-year, $40 million range. So yeah. I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world. I actually think it's something they're going to consider tinkering with this off-season, and if they don't add a tight end via the draft or maybe a, a, a one of the agency towards the end, I think that's their way of saying, "Hey, look, trauma's is going to take that next step, but we might also have, you know, an ace up our sleeve and Taysom Hill if we can move into that tight end role."
1: It certainly makes the owner feel better. I'm paying all this money. He's holding a clipboard most of the time. He comes in every now and then. Put him in there on the field. Let him earn his keep. I think he'd be great at it. But but we shall see. We shall see. Um, Chris Roseverglue. All right. Um, wide receiver, offensive uh, offensive lineman for sure. Um, who's your favorite wide receiver? Who's who do you think is gettable? At the 18th slot, knowing all the teams ahead of you and knowing who the best wide receivers are, who's going to be available at number 18 in your humble
0: opinion?
3: You, you know, when you hear all the talk about, you know, people gushing over a Malik Wilson and a Kenny Pickett, that kind of makes me think that at least one receiver that I didn't think would fall 18 might get pushed down because you maybe have a, a surprise run on quarterback. So, if that's the case, I would say that Jameson Williams, who I really like in Alabama, he should still be there at 18. And that's not because of his talent. That's more so because of the ACL injury. I would imagine some teams, if they have him, you know, ranked around the same range as Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, they might want to take the healthier guy right now to make sure that they have him for September and October. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jameson's there at 18. I would imagine one of the Ohio State receivers will be there. I don't imagine both being there. And then I think the wild card, it comes down to if teams have the right vision. I think a Traylon on Burks from Arkansas is so fascinating. If you have the right scheme for him, where you could throw him all over the field, kind of use him as that Debo Samuel slash AJ Brown hybrid. I think he could be a breakout player. Whether or not he gets to 18, we'll see about it. Some people have him in that 25 range, but I could see him going earlier. And then one that I feel really confident about being there at 18, but it might be a slight reach for the Saints would be Jahan Dawson from Penn State, but... I'd imagine he'll go at some point in the first round, but maybe the back half, maybe around 29 with Kansas City.
1: Very, very interesting with things the way they are. And you see Atlanta trade Matt Ryan uh, to Indianapolis and they pick up Marcus Mariota. You see the, the Bucks get Tom Brady back. Carolina, I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, are they going to go after a Baker Mayfield? Are they going to go after a uh, um, Jimmy Garoppolo? I don't know. But as, as things currently stand, where are the Saints in the pecking order in the um, NFC South?
3: Yeah, yeah, I have them firmly in that number two spot. And funny enough, if Tom Brady didn't return, I probably would have had them firmly in the one spot, just because okay. it's not what the Saints are doing, but it's what their you know division rivals are doing. You know, right. you look at Atlanta's roster. You lose Matt Ryan. You lose Calvin Ridley to a one-year suspension. You lose Russell uh, Russell Gage to a division rival in Tampa Bay, and I think he's going to be a perfect fit in the slot with Tom Brady. They lose yeah. those pieces. There's still a rebuilding franchise, and when you go get Mariota and you sign him to that deal, you're basically telling me that he's going to be your bridge quarterback, and at some point, either this year or next year, you're going to draft a quarterback. You're kind of showing that you're really not going to be competing this year, and that's fine, they're playing the long game. Maybe in five years from now, they'll be a competitive football team, but it's not going to be today, so I put them towards the bottom. You mentioned Carolina. I don't know what they're going to do, and I think for Carolina, what makes them so interesting is they have no choice but to make some type of risky move right now because Matt Rule's on the hot seat. This is kind of the make-or-break year for him. If it doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen, and Carolina will most likely fire him because it is year three and they want to see results. So yeah. do they trade for Baker Mayfield? Is Baker Mayfield, in their eyes, worth trading for? Because remember, his fifth year options guaranteed, Sam Darnold's fifth year uh, options guaranteed. Carolina would be committing about $36 million to two quarterbacks that aren't exactly game-changers, so I don't know if that's what they want to do. If they draft a rookie quarterback, does that give Matt Rule another year to, to buy time? And, and Is that rookie quarterback going to be ready to compete in the NFC? The answer is probably no. So, the Tampa Bay are the only team that I look at and say, I know what I'm kind of getting from you. I have no idea what I'm getting from the from the Panthers, no idea what I'm getting from the Falcons. And I know the Saints lost players, but Marcus May, possible good, uh, replacement, or, or I would say good enough to maybe fill in most of the job that Marcus Williams did. And yes, the Saints lost Armstead, and that's a huge blow. But Armstead missed nine games last year. So the Saints know how to maneuver around not having Toronto Armstead. So I could see them winning eight, nine games and staying in that competitive range. So I'd go Bucks, Saints. I'd probably go Panthers in the three, and I'd put the Falcons fourth.
1: Yeah, well, at least Matt Rule was at Baylor, and he got to uh, go up against uh, Oklahoma and uh, Baker Mayfield for a while there. So, so maybe there is. It I don't, I don't have a clue on that one whatsoever. Uh, why, in your opinion, off of the Saints, but what, what, what Tyreek Hill traded to the to the Dolphins? What
3: do you think spurred that? You know, it's so fascinating because it comes out that he was offered a contract that would make him one of the highest-paid receivers, if not the highest-paid receiver. When that happens, I would imagine that right then and there, he would just you know sign on the dotted line with Kansas City, and he's there for life. And you get to get catch passes from Patrick Mahomes. There's not much better than that. But, you know, when you see the deal he gets from Miami, and it's $72 million fully guaranteed, and it's a over four, that's almost really good quarterback money. And I wonder if it just came down to that. And, and in Tyree Kill's sense, maybe he's thinking, I've won a Super Bowl ring already. I have all the Pro Bowl slash all-pro accolades. At this point, I'm going for the money, and, and maybe that's what it came down to. And I think for Kansas City, luckily for them, they got a hole. I mean, five draft picks, they could do a lot of damage there if they want to. Um, I think it's going to be interesting, though, to see how he looks in Miami because they have done a great job of loading their roster with offensive talent the last year and a half, drafting Jalen Waddell, trading for Tyron Hill, signing Teron Armstead, signing Cedric Wilson. And now we're going to get our answer about Tua. Is Tua a franchise quarterback or not? Because you're not going to find a young quarterback with this many weapons really this early in their career because Miami's just loaded up and they're going to get their answer really soon. So I'm still shocked that it happened because I thought that Mahomes and Tyreek Hill were the perfect combination for their skill sets. But on the flip side, when I see Kansas City get five picks and maybe they didn't want to spend the $30 million per year, I guess that somewhat makes sense
1: five picks wow um I know they need a safety because the honey badger's gone but anyway all right um uh, do you predict anything in the next couple of days or are we gonna have to wait till right before the the draft in April or what what uh, put on your um get your crystal ball out what do you foresee for the saints
3: yeah, yeah. You know, for the Saints, I think, at the minimum, I do think they will sign a free agent wide receiver, whether or not that's bringing back one of their own and Traquan Smith. And I know that wouldn't exactly, exactly excite fans or maybe no. going after a veteran like an A.J. Green. I, I would expect them to bring a free agent wide receiver in. There's been so much talk, and they know that they're kind of under pressure between the fan base and just looking at what the receivers did last year. They know they have to upgrade that room. And now that, you know, everything's just kind of quieted down and the market's not inflated anymore, this is kind of the time where the Saints like to strike. They love to get guys on one- to two-year deals where they can make an immediate impact. You know, Maybe it's a reunion with an Emmanuel Sanders, potentially. Those type of deals. Those are the ones that they really like to make. And I think that whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's Friday, maybe it's next Monday, I'd imagine within the next week the Saints are going to add to their wide receiving core because they have to. They have no other choice. This group hasn't gotten better. They know they need to get better. And I look around at their other needs, Offensive tackle, do they really want to go splurge on a guy like Dwayne Brown, who's an AG tackle? Probably not. So if they're going to spend money, might as well add a veteran wide receiver, and then you could still address that later in the draft because they do need help at this position group.
1: Chris, who would you take, A.J. Green or Julio Jones? Who would you prefer?
3: You know, interestingly enough, at that point, I think, and it's tough for me, I think I would still take a shot on Julio Jones. I just love, you know, the hamstring injuries concern me. But I love taking a a chance on a guy like him who's going to be a Hall of Famer and hope that he can revitalize his career in the NFC South Division that he knows well. Uh, I wouldn't mind A.J. Green. I think A.J. Green would still be a good fit for them. But when you think of Jameis Winston, a lot of downfield throws, a lot of throws that might be contested. And there are not a lot of guys in this NFL that I've seen over the last decade that do a better job of going up again in the football than Julio Jones. So uh, I would take either one, honestly, because beggars can't be choosers. But if I had to pick one... I think I would go the slight lean towards Julio Jones, but who knows? Maybe he reunites with his guy Matt Ryan in Indianapolis.
1: We shall see, Chris. Thank you so much, man. Great job as always. Uh, we appreciate the time, my friend. Thank you.
3: Thank you for having me, Jordy.
1: You're the best. That's Chris Rose for glue Boot Crew Media, and all that fun stuff. He's uh he's terrific. He really is. All right. Um, college basketball fans, uh, you know, we're a day away from the sweet 16. Yes. Well, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New new customers can bet just five dollars on any team to win and get two hundred dollars in free bets if they do. Yeah, it's that it's that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on college hoops with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more late you add, the more money you can win. And DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash Whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Bet $5 on any college hoops team. There's 16 teams left. Bet on any one of them to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code 1037GAME this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older, pre- physically present in Louisiana. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. Minimum $5 deposit. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem. Call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-7867. Back with more, the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, brought to you by Cajun Chef. Spice up your life with a little Cajun Chef hot sauce. Everything tastes better with Cajun Chef hot sauce on it.
0: Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. March 23rd, 1957, North Carolina takes down Kansas, 54-53 in three overtimes. Jayhawk star Wilt Chamberlain is named the most outstanding player, becoming the fourth player to earn the honor despite not winning the title. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: And we're back. Eon is Smarter Body Contouring. Eon of Lafayette, right there near River Ranch in River Ranch, the first robotic touchless laser body contouring device for non-invasive permanent fat loss. It was um, invented and inspired by one woman and her team of robotics engineers who looked around and witnessed a plethora of devices that ineffectively reduced fat by pulling pinching sucking freezing or strapping down the patient they knew they could build something smarter and something smarter they did build. you see eon is more effective eon is more efficient and eon is certainly much more comfortable much more comfortable There's no downtime. You don't feel anything other than a cool little breeze on your target areas. We do crunches. We watch what we eat, and we still can't get rid of that troublesome area around our midsection. It happens to many of us. It's going to happen to you down the road. Get ahead of the game. Eon is smarter body contouring, and it works. It works. So uh, coming up, Michael, you here hear in, in just just a minute. Um, Matt McMahon, we covered his press conference about 30 minutes long. He took some Q&A's from uh, from several of the media members that were there. Uh, I think you can hear that. You, you, if you didn't hear it, you could sense. Um, his passion, you could sense his um, determination, you could sense his drive. Uh, he talked about culture. He said it's the most um, overused word in, in in sports, but it's the most important word and the most important ingredient in sports. And he talked about his culture of accountability and um, joy and joy. Um, relationships and all these things, um, Look, he's got a lot of work on his hands. He's got to come up with a staff. And I'm sure LSU will provide him the resources, meaning dollars and cents, to get a great staff. Is he going to bring some of his coaches over from um, Murray State? Well, some of those may be in turn to become the head coach at Murray State. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Kevin Nickelberry, who took over on an interim basis, is he going to be in the mix as an assistant coach um, attack Asman Mitchell, former player, um, you know, it, it all is about your recruiting philosophy, your recruiting base. How does he want to handle that? And then um, he's not afraid of the transfer portal. He's talked about his club. He said he had three of, of a team that won 31, 32 games this year and were 18 and 0 in their conference. He had three core players that had been there for years And then he had three players that were first-time players coming from the transfer portal. He blended it all together. He mixed it up, stirred it up, produced this club. And that's what he said he liked the most. He liked putting a team together. He's going to have to put a team together at LSU. Um, How many players are going to enter the transfer portal? I have no clue. I have no clue. He'll sit. He'll meet with all of them. He'll explain his philosophy. Um, It just depends on if those players are comfortable, if they enjoy being in Baton Rouge, being at LSU. A coach is a coach. A coach will come in. um, I think he'll win these guys over. I do. Now, can he re-recruit those other players, those five stars that had committed to LSU? One had already signed and got his release. Is he going to re-recruit them? I'm sure he will try. Can he convince them? Time will tell. Will he get some players from Murray State to come over that he's comfortable with that are within his system and he can build a unit with that? Time will tell. What about the recruits? You know, it's a different level of recruit to Murray State and to LSU. But I guarantee you, LSU would have taken a John Morant. There's room for a player like that. So, we shall see. We have to give him some time and we have to give him the leeway to maneuver. He's got a lot on his plate, a lot on his plate. But I firmly believe in my brief meeting with him, you get a you get that first impression, you know, and sometimes first impression is great. Sometimes it's it's not so good. And sometimes you can get fooled. I wasn't fooled by this guy. I think Matt McMahon's going to be a uh, an absolute superstar at LSU. I really, really do. Um, So I'm excited about that. All right, we'll take a time out here. But first, I must tell you that... Let's see. We already just did that one. The Hangout Music Festival is returning this summer to Gulf Shores in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles has your tickets to this epic weekend of music. You can score VIP passes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't miss the return of Hangout Music Fest featuring Post Malone, Halsey, Megan the Stallion, just to name a few. That's Hangout Music Fest May 20th to 22nd in Gulf Shores. When VIP passes from the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Michael Huguenin. Who's going to survive and advance in the Sweet 16? Who's going to get to the Elite 8? We'll go over the ball games with uh, on three.com's Michael Huguenin next after this timeout on the Geordie Helper Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. We'll be right back.
0: The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best. On the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right. After a great weekend of college hoops, we've had to wait. We've had to wait. We've had to wait. But the Sweet 16 is upon us. We're on the eve of the Sweet 16. Can't wait for tomorrow and for Friday. Then we get to the Elite Eight. So let, let's talk some hoops. And I, I want to get our guests' thoughts on LSU's new hire. So let's uh, let's roll the tape. Let's do it. Uh
0: oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. Woo-hoo! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
4: Michael, what's happening, buddy? How are you? Doing well. And, yeah, I mean, it was four fantastic days of basketball. Some surprise. Surprising outcomes, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, Kentucky losing to St. Peter's. A um, hundred years from now, people will still be, yeah, I remember when nobody will be around, but it'll be, yeah, number 15, St. Peter's beat Kentucky. Um, and, and some, I'll, I'll be honest, some higher seeds have not, other higher seeds have not played all that well, but it's setting up for, for more really good days of basketball starting tomorrow.
1: I am with you. All right, I got to get your opinion. of um, There were six uh, coaching vacancies in the SEC. They've all been filled. Matt uh, McMahon leaves Murray State to come to LSU. What do you know about Matt McMahon, and what do you think of the hire?
4: I think the one thing, when you're hiring a mid-major guy, obviously you want to hire a successful one, and Matt McMahon's been successful. Uh, I think that in talking to people around the country about both football jobs and basketball jobs, the one thing they always bring up is how successful was the program before the new guy got there. In other words, Matt McMahon took over a really good program at Murray State. That, that's, a, that's a tradition-laden yeah. program. Not all the guys who have gone on from Murray to bigger schools have succeeded. Though Mick Cronin is one that has. Yeah. I think McMahon's style of play is enjoyable to watch. I know that Murray State lost to St. Peters, um, over the weekend and to, to get to the sweet 16. But if you watched, I, I watched probably five Murray State games this year. They were on ESPNU a couple of times. Um, th- that's a solid low major league. Um, uh, Murray State, Moorhead State, and Belmont are all really good teams. And, you know, Moorhead more, uh, had, a, had a player, Jani Broom, who could play for anybody and you look at K.J. Williams and the Brown kid at Murray, that they're SEC-caliber players that Matt McMahon unearthed. And I think that's the key because I think you you look at the Sweet 16 teams that are left, and, yeah, there's one-and-done players on a lot of these teams. But I'll be honest, teams that I think that are better in March are the teams that have guys who were there for two or three years. McMahon has had success with those kind of players um, and to me, if you can unearth a guy like K.J. Uh, Williams you know K.J. Williams can play in the SEC, it might not oh my goodness, what, why are we signing a three-star guy that no one's ever heard of? Well, sometimes coaches know best so yeah, the LSU right. brand is big um, now the NTA investigation may have put a crimp in perhaps some of the guys that, that Woodward wanted to look at but I think Matt McMahon's a pretty solid hire. And, and I'll be honest, SEC schools hired six guys. Um, only one of those six had been a Power Five coach before. I think that was the worst hire of them all. Uh, Georgia hiring Mike White, Mike White does not move the needle at all. Um, you know, Lamont Paris at South Carolina, intriguing hire because he's off the Bo Ryan tree. And if you mm-hmm. watch Chattanooga play, they did a little things a little bit more differently than Wisconsin did. Um, Todd Golden at Florida, Matt McMahon at LSU. I mean, I, I think for the most part, the SEC ADs did a good job. Um, so much of basketball, though, is about recruiting. Um, yeah. and that's ultimately what's going to decide how successful McMahon is or isn't.
1: We'll take a job, Morant. That would that would work uh in Baton yeah. Rouge. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Um, let's talk about the Sweet 16. We've got four games on Thursday, starting off with the Lone Ranger from the SEC, the Arkansas Razorbacks, the only team from the, the conference where it just means more um as a four seed going up against uh the number one seed Zags from Gonzaga. What do you think?
4: I think maybe if SEC coaches didn't whine as much about seeding and worried more about who they were playing, maybe they would have done better. Um, Gonzaga, if you watch them play the first two games, they have not looked like an no. overall number one seed to me.
3: Right. Um,
4: Arkansas's physicality and defense is going to bother Gonzaga. Flip side, man, Gonzaga is big and they're athletic, um, and I think they're going to pose problems for Arkansas. Arkansas is not a big team. Outside of Jalen Williams, they really don't play anybody taller than six seven. Um Andrew Nimhard, the Gonzaga point guard, is a former SEC point guard, so he's seen that kind of defense. Uh I, I think Gonzaga wins, though I will say I think they're gonna have to adjust to Arkansas's physicality and Memphis hurt Gonzaga, especially in the first half without physical. I'm
1: with you. Um I, I do believe Gonzaga. If I had to make a pick today, I, I, I think the Zags will win it, but I think they're going to have to battle like crazy on this one. Um, I, I'm really bullish on Villanova, but poor Michigan's really played well, and they got that big kid who's um, who's playing that left-hander who's playing really good for the Wolverines. Uh, that's the 7 to, uh, 629 game, uh, Central Time. Villanova, a two-seed, Michigan, the 11-seed. What do you think?
4: Yeah, Hunter Dickinson is going to be a problem for Villanova. Villanova is a small team, the biggest guy, 6'8". Not obviously, the, they, they've played with this lineup all year. Um, and Villanova's guards are big and physical. And Michigan's guards are small. Um, Villanova loves to post up its guards. So that's, I think, going to be problematic for Michigan. Um, Michigan has played played, played extremely well in the tournament the last two years. I don't think Villanova is going to be able to handle Hunter Dickinson, but I also don't think Michigan's guards are going to be able to handle Villanova's guards. I think Villanova is a little bit more athletic overall. Uh, I think this is a very intriguing game, but I think Villanova wins because I think its guards are going to come up big. And, you know, Colin Gillespie Mm -hmm. missed last year's tournament because he was hurt. Um, I I think he's going to have a big game. Um, But to me, this is all about Michigan size versus Villanova's backcourt. And in March, I always go with the backcourt.
1: (laughs) Go with the backcourt and go with the better free-throw shooting team. And Villanova doesn't miss. Yeah. They don't miss. They're going to be the greatest free throw shooting team, uh, statistically, in the history of college basketball if they keep up the pace yep. that they're doing. So we'll see on that one. All right, two nightcap games. Uh, boy, number two, uh, number two seeded Duke, number three seed Texas Tech. I think Duke's players are going. Oh my God! Of all the teams we had to draw, why did we have to pick this team who's going to be in our jock strap all night long?
4: Yeah. And. Duke is obviously at its best when A.J. Griffin's hitting three. He may not play. Um, Texas Tech, you know, you know, all the new coaches in the SEC. Mark Adams, first-year coach at Texas Tech, he went out and got six guys in a portal.
0: Yeah,
4: uh, Three of them start. So yeah. you, you can turn – and look at Iowa State. You can turn around a team quick using the transfer portal. So Texas Tech, per metrics, is the best defensive team in the country. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, they play really good de- perimeter defense. They grind on you in the lane. They're extremely physical, and they're, they they turn you over a lot. Now, Duke doesn't turn it over, um, but I think Duke's three-point shooting is going to be huge, and if Griffin doesn't play, that's mm. a big deal. Now, pa- Paolo Banquero will be the most talented player on the court. Yep. He's also yep. an 18-year-old freshman. Yep. Um, Duke... I wonder if they're going to be able to handle Texas Tech's physicality because Texas Tech is one of those old-school teams that would have fit in the Big East in the early 80s. They lean on you. They elbow you. They knee you. It's going to be extremely physical. Um, If A.J. Griffin plays and is effective, I think Duke wins. Um, If he's not effective, I think Duke loses, which means that the all-time trivia question will be the last coach to beat Mike Krzyzewski. (laughs) It will be Mark Adams.
1: And I think this is the one game where how the officials officiate the game will be uber critical. I think they want to keep Coach K in this tournament as long as they can. Do not be surprised if Texas Tech, they start getting those quick whistles on some of those elbows and those pushes that sometimes you get away with. I don't think they get away with it in this one, strictly because of the conspiracy theory of Coach K, in my humble opinion. We'll see. Um, All right, the last last game of the, the foursome, number one seeded Arizona versus number five Houston. Kelvin Sampson. So I I don't get it, but he keeps on winning, man. What do you think?
4: Yeah, that's another team that went into the transfer portal. Two of their starters are transfer portal guys. Yeah, um, it's it's an impressive defensive team. They're also extremely effective offensively because yes. they pound the offensive glass. They're yeah. not the greatest shooters, um, but they get a lot of their own rebounds and they get a lot of putbacks. And if you watched. Um, Arizona against TCU. TCU's big man, um, the, the kid, the freshman from the Houston area, had his way in a lot of respects. And TCU, um, not the most skilled team, extremely physical. Houston makes TCU look like Shulman. So um, Arizona is big, they're athletic, they rebound well. The Mathurin kid is a legit stud. Yeah. Um, but you know, TCU bothered them. Um, that's going to be extremely – I can see Houston winning. Um, this, is, this is another one where the refs are going to be important. And, yes. you know, everybody's – look at the Texas-Purdue game as an example. Texas is extremely physical. Um, they got called for a boatload of fouls. And Chris Beard after the game, they got called for a lot of fouls. Well, that's because you committed a lot that's of fouls. Right. Now, Houston's physical. They don't usually get called. Um, Texas Tech's physical. They don't usually get cold. One thing I will note about Houston, they lost twice in the regular season to Memphis because Memphis kept them off the offensive board. Um, okay. Arizona has the ability to keep Houston off the offensive board as well. Yep. Phenomenal matchup. Um, I, I actually think Houston's going to take it because I think Houston's offense is underrated, and I think Arizona, all those young guys, are going to be bothered by how physical
1: Houston is. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. All right,
4: um, we got about three
1: or four minutes. Let's go uh, a minute a-, a piece on Friday's games. Uh, the St. Peter's Cinderella run end against yes. the tall, talented Purdue Boilermakers?
4: Yeah, I think Purdue's big guys, Edie and Travion Williams, could each score 30 if they wanted to. Yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, St. Peter's a great story, and my assumption is Shaheen Holloway is going to be hired as the, Saint, as the new coach at Seton Hall as soon as okay. he's in Dover. But, um, yeah, I think um, Purdue moves on.
1: Uh, Kansas may have played the best of any number one seed out there. They play number four Providence. I hate Kansas, but, my gosh, Bill Self just keeps on going on. Who, who wins this one?
4: You know, I, th- I think Providence is extremely well coached. Yep. Um, Cooley knows that. I, I don't got a lot of guys who can do a lot of variety of things. He can do that. He can do that. That's all I've been asking to do. Yeah. Um, The key to me is Nate Watson. Nate, the big guy. He had a great year last year, and he took a step back this year. If if Nate Watson shows up and shows out, Providence wins this game. All
1: right. Let's move on to last year. Nobody even thought about UCLA. They went from the play-in game to the Final Four this year. Nobody's thinking about North Carolina, but they're playing great. The Blue Bloods, who you got?
4: UCLA, because I think UCLA's defense um, is a lot better than North Carolina's defense. Um, I think all those UCLA guys came back for a reason. Now, Hamihaka is being hurt. That's, that's that a hurts. huge problem. Yeah. Um, but I think, frankly, that UCLA is both mentally and physically tougher. So I think UCLA ends the Tar Heel season.
1: And finally, boy, I tell you what, I've been impressed with Miami. Jim Laranega, they take on Iowa State, who's surprised to everybody. This is a 10 seed versus an 11 seed. Who keeps dancing?
4: I think Miami, because their backcourt, I mean, is he's a phenomenal coach. Um, Their guards, they play a lot of junk defenses. um, And you have to admit, the Isaiah Long dunk on Jabari Smith, Everybody who doesn't like Auburn had to be up dancing because that 6'3 kid threw it down in Jabari Smith's face. Yeah. Uh, Miami's fearless. And, again, it goes back to if you got guards who I are like good Miami. in March, um, you generally prevail. And I, I think Iowa State's one of those teams. Oh, my God, we're actually in the Sweet 16. Yeah, we won two right. games last year. So yeah. I, think that, I think Miami continues on, and those guards are really, really good.
1: I like Miami to go even further than that. We I shall see. see Michael Huguenin
4: on three. Um, di- you know, oh, they, were, they were ten seed, but again, it goes back to guards in March. Um, Charlie Moore's probably, I think, what forty five years old. He's played at a <laughs> thousand schools. The Magusty <laughs> kid is really good. The big center from New Zealand is better than people give him credit for. Um, Jordan Miller, the transfer from George Mason, is really good. Another yep. team, two starters in the and the two starters are transfer portal
1: back. Mike, thank you so much. We're out of time, man. Enjoy the uh, sweet 16, buddy. And yeah, no question. Thanks, man.
0: All right. Here's your close. All righty. That's it. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holbert Show for Hump Day with Huguenin. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: And we're back to wrap it all up next
0: three pieces of advice to live by never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state don't spit into the wind and always listen to the Jordy Holbert show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station
1: all right well uh, a quick show an abbreviated show but we really wanted to bring you the Matt McMahon press conference and we did and I thought it was very very impressive um, he's gonna hit the ground running and let's 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 go let's go uh, baseball tonight for the Cajuns and the Tigers we'll recap all of that um, plus, Sweet 16, baby. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Special thanks to Justin Napoli. Boy, Zion. Duncan, I saw Zion play a little one-on-one. Oh, he looked great. He looked great. Anyway, fingers crossed on that one. Chris Rose for glue. Teron Armstead's gone. Who are the Saints going to get? We shall see. And, of course, Michael Huguenin. James, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks to uh, all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do. Thanks to our partners that make it possible, each and every day today was brought to you by Cajun chef do yourself a flavor Try Cajun Chef. Oh, you're going to love it because everything tastes better with Cajun Chef hot sauce on it. Today's your birthday, March 23rd. Happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with the embattled but also skilled 30-year-old Kyrie Irving. Uh, Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Hultberg. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy, my friends. And by all means, let's be happy, my friends. So long, everybody.